Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode, I interview Corinne of the Doodle Pro. We talk about some dogs that people love to hate, what makes a doodle, what makes doodles appealing, what makes them unappealing to some people, and how to choose the right doodle mix for your family no matter how old or what developmental stage your kids are. I know you're going to love this episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Corinne is an expert on a breed that we love to hate. And so I'm going to have Corinne introduce herself and then we're going to dive in. So go ahead, Brenda. Tell us who you are and what you do. I am Corinne Gearhart and I'm known as the Doodle Pro. So the group of breeds and mixes that trainers and groomers and some vets run from, I run to. So I love helping doodle pet parents with learning how to get through their extended puppyhood and get to the other side to the sweet spot with their doodle. Oh my gosh, I love that you said that because I think that a lot of families are caught unawares by the energy and enthusiasm, I would say, that doodle youngsters often have. And they're really surprised by that and they don't really know what to do with it. They feel unprepared for it. So talk to me a little bit about that. What in the heck is going on? Why do they have that extended puppyhood? So people often think of doodles as one monolith breed, but they are a bunch of different breeds crossed with a bunch of different sizes of poodles, which each, the toy, mini, and standard, each of those poodles that they're crossing with to get that loaded on shedding have different temperaments. So when somebody's crossing a Yorkie with a poodle and getting a Yorkie poo, that's a completely different dog than a standard sheep-a-doodle crossed with an old English sheepdog. So people are often like, do I want a little doodle or a big doodle? Or which color doodle do I want? And looking more at what is the breed standard that you're crossing with, and are you getting a standard poodle versus a toy, et cetera, makes a big difference. But doodles have, in general, I just said they're not a monolith, but poodle mixes have an extended puppy period And that means, especially with your larger dogs, that you're waiting until they're two to three to calm down. And that is not what people expect when they're getting this family-friendly, often first-time dog. Your adolescence period, where there's much more jumping, barking, lots of the behaviors that people find really disruptive and difficult to manage, those last longer. I say they're worth it to me for my dogs, but people don't usually know what they're getting into. And then the maintenance needed for that non-delo shedding coat is much, much more challenging than is often described by the breeders. I think that's really true. I think it's very common for people to not realize the expense that comes with that, that getting these dogs groomed each time can be 
$100 or more, maybe $150, and you're doing it every four to six weeks. Because if you don't, then the dog can literally get matted to the skin, which is incredibly painful because those knots are essentially pulling the skin tight underneath them. So the dog becomes uncomfortable. And then sometimes the dog becomes um, less tolerant of touch because it hurts when you touch that skin that has those knots underneath. Is that a common thing that you see in your Absolutely. work? If you look at, there are definitely more reputable breeders, but if you look at a lot of breeder websites, and these are breeders that are far enough in their business that they have websites, right? And they're not shipping to a puppy mill or just posting on Facebook that they have available puppies. You'll often see where they say low to no maintenance coat. And unfortunately, that's really misleading. So the poodle side brings the non-shedding. So poodles don't shed. Their hair is like ours where it just keeps growing. Our hair, if you get out of the shower or brush, you'll find some hair that falls out. That's normal. But it's not. It's going to keep going and a groomer needs to use their shears and their clippers to cut it. Now, if you don't brush that out, it's going to create tangles and mats, which can create skin infections and pain. Now, when you mix a poodle dog's coat with an undercoat, let's say you've got a lab or a golden crossed with this poodle to get your labradoodle or a golden doodle, we don't know what that mix is going to do. You can have different levels just throughout the same coat. The undercoat can grow longer than the poodle coat, and then you've got some kind of funkiness going on. You can still keep the undercoat. It Even your breeder isn't likely going to know what the adult coat's going to look like. And that mix gets matted more than a poodle's does. So we are bringing in some great qualities, some great temperaments by mixing in some other breeds of dogs. But with that mix comes a more challenging coat. That is really interesting. So if you're a busy parent, these are really common dogs for families with children then you need to make sure that not only are you budgeting for the maintenance of this coat, but that you're budgeting your time for all of the driving back and forth to the grooming place, unless you're lucky enough to have one that's mobile that comes to your house. But even then, it takes a lot of time, right? Because you have the daily maintenance of the coat, plus you have to drive the dog all around to make sure that you're maintaining it so that they can look as adorable as they do. I'm one of these people that think that doodles are incredibly cute, but I have worked with many that are really challenging. And in fact, one of the dogs that I worked with that was the bitiest puppy that I've ever worked with was a Labradoodle. She was off the charts. The only dog that I've met that put a hole in my clothing, actually. But she grew up by the time she was, took about three years. She was a very lovely, wonderful dog. Yes. They have become the default, I would say, family pet for somebody looking to add a dog. And if you even look at advertising right now, if it's advertising a sofa company or a family going for a walk to the grocery store, you're going to see doodles. They are the trend. And when somebody is getting their first dog or their family's first dog, they often say, which doodle should we get? as opposed to what kind of dog we should get. When you talked about the maintenance time that goes with the coat, 
you can go really short. It doesn't have to have the teddy bear look that we love. If you're going to invest the amount of time and money to get that look, you could get it. But if your family's really busy and you guys have allergies or just want a cleaner dog, you can go really short and you can go longer between grooms and you don't have to be brushing every day. There are options that you could work with your groomer on, but you will have to sacrifice the teddy bear look that people are often drawn to. So that's a really interesting feature then. I really like that there are options. One complaint that I hear a lot about dogs who have curly coats in general, and this could be a poodle, like my parents have two standards, or even a smaller dog like a Havanese, is that the people feel that they're limited on some of the activities they can do with their dog because they pick up furs and foxtails and things like that so easily because the coat just seems like a magnet to grab onto all of that stuff. So it's really nice to hear you say that, you know, shorter coats are an option for something like that, or maybe even shorter clipped feet so that yeah. those areas are less likely to pick things up. My dog enjoys playing in the water. My mix is a Cavalier and Poodle mix. He's a Cavapoo. And I know if he gets wet, we need to use a high velocity blow dryer. I can't just throw him in the bath and we can't just go swimming in the lake because his coat has to be blown out. Otherwise it's going to mat and be painful for him. I could have him really shaved down like I've done with my standard poodle. And then she could frolic in the water and shake it off and be fine. It has trade-offs that people need to know that they can choose between. I love that. I think it's really interesting that you are drawing a distinction between what size and what color dog do I want versus the breed mix that goes into making that dog. I want to go back to something you said at the beginning where you talked about the different traits of the different sizes of poodle. Can we just talk a little bit about that and tell us some of the differences between personalities Maybe the purpose, what were these dogs bred for that leads to the differences in their personalities in the first place between the different, the three different sizes of poodles? Yes. So standard poodles have a bit more of a mellow disposition to them. Again, they have a much longer puppyhood. The standard, we're, we meaning the larger ones, but they have a longer puppyhood. So that means they're a little crazier longer. But then once they mellow, they could be like a rug on your ground and they have the athletic ability to go on big, long hikes, but they don't need as much exercise later in life. The smaller they are, the more like energetic for longer. And that's really interesting. Something that people don't recognize about poodles is that they were bred to be very loyal and protective. And what that means in order to get that loyal and protective trait, a dog has to run on a higher anxiety level all the time. They need to be at alert. What could be wrong? What do I need to listen for? And more issues with anxiety. Oh boy. That's really interesting. I think that people just make the assumption that a smaller dog might be easier overall because how much trouble could a small dog, small package contain? But in my experience, it can contain quite a lot. So I do think that's really interesting that they have a different, I don't know, rev speed, perhaps, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> that's really interesting. Okay. So then aside from the poodle, obviously the poodle traits, which vary based on size, then we're mixing in a million different breeds. And it seems like every time I blink, there's a new 
oodle of some sort that is coming out. And we've seen ranges, like you said, from Cavapoo, which has a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel mixed in, to a Sheepadoodle or a Bernadoodle, which is a Bernese Mountain Dog mixed in. So it seems, do you believe that most of the people are doing this intentionally to try to introduce certain traits or are they mainly trying to create a certain look? What's your thought on that? It depends. So if we're talking from the breeder end, which I'm not a breeder, so I can't speak firsthand, I would say it's supply and demand. What are people looking for? You'll see big trends right now of people doing a mini whatever the doodle mix is. So mini Labradoodles and mini Golden Doodles have been trendy for a long time. Now miniaturizing the Bernadoodles, the Bernese Mountain Dog Poodle Mix. And now I would say the biggest fad I'm seeing in Denver, Colorado are mini Sheepadoodles. So the Old English Sheepdog Poodle Mix. And the people want to be able to take their dog with them to different places and travel and be able to fit them into their life in the miniature. They feel like an eternal puppy of a look. So the breeder end, I can't speak on their behalf, but my guess is that it has to do with demand. For the prospective pet parents, a lot of it has to do with, I love the look of an old English sheepdog. I love the goofy behavior, but I can't handle the shedding or I have a family member with allergies. So this is how I'm able to access a Golden's like never met a stranger personality, but still have a cleaner home, have be able to handle allergies or shedding. So a lot of people are drawn to what's mixed with the poodle and then just the non or low shedding piece. So from the consumer end, it definitely has to do with personality. And then once they go to that, the coat color is really important to people. Doodles look cute. And if you're going to go for cute, might as well go for the cutest you can find for a lot of pet parents. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I do want to say, because I'm in some Facebook groups that are a lot of breeders, because I'm just very interested in what kinds of dogs are being created for families, because I feel that in my niche, parents with children and dogs, it's harder and harder to find a pet that is really well suited to live with kids. And so I'm looking a lot and doing research on some of the traits and characteristics that breeders are looking for in the dogs that they're breeding. And I do want to say there are a lot of really ethical, outstanding breeders out there, yes. including doodles. And I do know I'm getting involved with a rescue from a puppy mill today after we're done with this i'm picking up something that was sprung from a puppy mill so there are a lot of poorly made choices in who is producing dogs but there are some really great breeders out there that are breeding not only for temperament but for health and they're doing a lot of testing to make sure that the dog's physiology structure etc are very sound Um, So you can look those organizations up and I will link to them in the show notes because if somebody is interested in getting a really well-bred, thoughtfully raised doodle, they definitely exist and they're not just... Absolutely. They're not just cute and because it's a popular trend. Although, why wouldn't you produce something that is in demand? Because at the end of the day, 
you need families to take home the puppies that you just created. Yeah. So yeah, I I just wanted to give a shout out to those that are doing a really excellent job and who are being super thoughtful with that. And when you're looking for one of those dogs, there's some signs that exist that you can look for to see, is this an ethical breeder for my doodle? One of the first ways you can tell is, are they only breeding that mix? If you find a breeder and they offer Aussie doodles, Bernadoodles, Sheepadoodles, they aren't working really hard at perfecting that one line and making sure that one mix is done really well. That's a facility or a family or group that's spread really thin and aren't able to do it as well. There are a place that really specializes in that one mix. If they have a long waiting list, that's a great sign. A lot of people will go back to the same breeder if they have a really healthy dog to get another one from that breeder and health testing, which saying that they've done just an embark like swabbed them and done a DNA test is not enough. Health testing for OFA, hips, et cetera, is really expensive and good breeders make that investment. I think that's important. We want to look at, especially if you're breeding with the poodle, a dog that tends to be a sporty breed, an Australian shepherd or an Aussie doodle is a common one. We want to make sure that their hips and those kinds of things are sound because can be prone to injuries. So that's definitely something that you want to look for. Somebody that goes, and you're right. I've heard that it's thousands of dollars to get your dogs x-rayed and tested appropriately. Because if you're intentionally creating a creature, wouldn't you want the best ingredients to go into Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so we talked about how there are different dogs that go into doodles aside from the different sizes of poodles. Let's talk a little bit about personality and which traits might be helpful for families who have kids of different ages. So are you seeing, in your experience, more troublesome, I'm putting troublesome in a quote here, troublesome behaviors if you have toddlers, let's say, versus if you have kids that are your kids' ages. You have older kids. They're able to follow directions. They're functioning a little bit differently than a family who's getting their first dog with toddlers. So what kinds of doodle mixes are you seeing that either can be problematic because of the odd mixture or, or that can be successful that are good choices for those families? What are your thoughts on that? So there are more obscure mixes that I could go right to, like a Malinois mix or a German oh, Shepherd. They call them Shepa Doodles. No. So those are, yes. So those are luckily obscure. Don't do, those are not first time dogs to mix, but luckily those are not the most popular. So that's my, <laughs> like one quick note, not all are built the same, but with what is most popular right now, I would point out Aussie Doodles, uh, Border Collies, so the Australian Shepherd mixed in, Border Collies mixed in, and Old English Sheepdogs mixed in. So that would be Aussie Doodle, Border Doodle, and Sheepadoodle. Those people have more challenges with, especially with young children. So if their job is to herd sheep 
and to bring them into place and make sure they could be called the fun police (laughs) and make sure that everyone's in line. Toddlers and young children, they don't go in line. Their bodies are, you could talk to this more than I can, Michelle, but they're squealing there and there should be happy squealing. Children should have joy, be able to run, play tag. Like they should be able when they wake up in the morning to run down the stairs and run up the stairs and grab a big toy. And that should all be okay in a home. And for a dog that wants to keep things in order and corralled, that could be really stressful. So the coat might be gorgeous and they might have the best look in the world. Now we're adding in that hurting and hurting the way dogs herd is by nipping. And a child's body, like it's not just their ankles that are at that nipping level. So those are ones that we see have more difficulty. Bernadoodles, especially the standard ones, they are very jumpy and paws up. And if you have a big dog, 70, 90 pounds, and you have a 40-pound child coming to visit, their little friends want to be able to run in the door and get right to the Legos. That's a lot of weight to jump on them. Mm-hmm. And of course, you want to be training not to be jumping on people, et cetera. But their inclination is to lick faces. It's pro-social to them. They are being friendly. And they think they're being nice and sweet. And it is in their nature to be jumping like that. So you're going to be working against their nature to fit them into your family. One of the things you just said that really struck me and I want to highlight, I really want people to hear this. So I will repeat it, which is that you were talking about the stress for the dog. So we've talked up until now about the stress for the humans and the maintenance and the cost and the spazzy, fun-loving behavior, which can be annoying to some people, but great for other people. But what we have not talked about is the dog's mental health and the dog's well-being. And when you talked about how challenging it is for a herding breed mix to be unable to control the toddler sheep in the family, that dog is on a constant state of alert that it feels that it always has a job to do. It may feel unsuccessful at doing the job that it was bred to do for hundreds of years. And then we can see other tricky behaviors arise out of that frustration. Then what we really need to think about is whether or not we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Is that dog actually well-suited to living in a family with young children? Because we're talking about our well-being, but if we really want the best family pet we can get. We not only want what's good for us, we want what's good for the dog. We want the dog to love living in this family and not to be constantly stressed out by living in this family. So I'm so happy you brought that up that, excuse me, that the dog can feel funky and out of place and that it is just in this perpetual state of frustration because we're asking the dog not to hurt the children for obvious reasons. Right. But that's what the dog is supposed to be doing, right? That's what we bred it for in the first place. So that's something we really have to think about. So in my wish, and I'd like to hear what would be in your wish, but in my wish, I think that instead of choosing 
what you think might be the cutest doodle is that you think of the doodle that would be the most well-suited to living in a family like yours. And I say like yours, meaning are you hikers or are you Scrabble players? Are you couch potatoes or are you backpackers? Do you host parties every weekend or do you hang out with your immediate family? What is your lifestyle? Be honest about it. Because I can tell you that I've been guilty of when I'm trying to do a self-assessment. Okay, what kind of lifestyle do I lead? What kind of dog would be well suited for that? It's really tempting to say the kind of lifestyle you wish you led. Your aspirational life. Like, I wish I went hiking every day, but I don't actually go hiking every day. I only go hiking once a week. That could be a make it or break it kind of situation for your dog because the dog may need it every day. And so we need to really carefully choose which dog we're bringing in to that family. So what would be your wish? That would be my wish is that we think about the dog's well-being too, not just how cute it is because obviously we want a cute dog, right? Nobody wants an unattractive dog. (laughs) Okay. So that said, you know, what's your wish for people choosing doodles? I have to address your point that you just made because I think it's brilliant. It's like the treadmill that's in my living room. By putting that real eyesore treadmill in my living room uh, that doesn't make me walk and get the exercise and steps that I want aspirationally to do, which could be if I got a border collie, (laughs) that dog would need me just like the treadmill eyesore, but that's aspirational and not what I actually am doing every day and not matching who I am right now, which would be unfair to that border collie. Just like your own family, you might have a child that is a snuggler and a couch potato and loves to read a book. And then another one who's climbing the walls and you have to do an activity every day within the same family. So litters are the same. Genetics matter, but so do the individuals. And when you're talking to a breeder about which dog is a fit, a lot of times breeders will hear, we have a young family and we're really active. Active and busy are completely different. And I love, Michelle and I talked about this on the Doodle Pro podcast, and we got a lot of great responses of people saying, I never thought of this. Just because you go to soccer games three times a day on Saturday and you've got to run to choir practice and pick up the kids from this to that, you're really busy. And that is not the same as having an active lifestyle for your dog. Even if you love hiking, if you're only hiking every other Sunday, that it isn't enough for a truly active dog. Just to share that. And we're talking a lot about what to do when you're choosing your dog. I know a lot of your listeners have a doodle already. So I have probably two wishes. One would be to research, what are you mixing with that poodle? I think there are really valid reasons why people want a doodle, either for allergies or just the cleanliness piece. But what is the breed standard that's being mixed? And does that match your actual lifestyle, not your aspirational one? And then to really get support and help afterwards. So a lot of people will spend like $4,000 on this beautiful, precious puppy. And then someone along the way says, don't let them get parvo. Don't let their paws touch outside ground until they've had all their vaccination at 16 weeks. 
and I see so many anxious dogs that have lifelong anxiety because they didn't get proper positive exposure when they were young. Yeah, I think that's so crucial. And just having a trainer or a coach or someone who, you know, like you, who's a specialist, you have experience with training, somebody like me who has experience with dog and kids. Between the two of us, we've got everybody who's hearing this podcast covered, I think. We can, <laughs> we do. <laughs> we both have memberships. We can hook you up in an affordable yes. way to give you ongoing support. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's foolish to not protect that investment, right? To, mm -hmm. um, to have this dog and then just see what happens, right? I yeah. think. Or wait yeah. to learn adolescent and the puppy problems are now large dog size. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I recently boarded a standard poodle puppy for someone and I don't normally do this, but it was as a favor yes. <clears throat> and she was very anxious and very high strung and they were doing a really good job. They were good parents and they were devoted, but it was really hard for them to tell the difference between her just protesting and having a little fit or her actually being in distress. And so because they couldn't understand her body language very well, because they weren't experts. The different it, language. Yeah. They had been unsuccessful at giving the dog structure in her day. So they gave her too much freedom because she protested when she didn't have freedom. And so then they gave her free reign. And as a consequence, she was nonstop barking at their senior dog. She would bark at them for attention. And every time she got frustrated, her voice would just blah, explode. And so for the first several days at my house, she just barked constantly. And we really worked on giving her structure and helping her to understand what the rules were here in my house. And when she left here, I would say her barking reduced by maybe 80% and she was comfortable resting in a pen, which was a total game changer for them. They what a gift for pen. her. It was amazing. It was absolutely a gift for her. It was yeah. not as much. Yes. Did it help me? Absolutely it did. Did it give my other dog a break? Absolutely it did. But it gave her the understanding that when I am in this place, I can get the rest that I need so that I can then be civilized when it's time to be together as a family, right? Yeah. Everybody needs rest. And when we don't get enough rest, we have tantrums. Just think of an overtired toddler. That's all anyone has to think about. If you're a parent, you're rolling your eyes right now and you're like, oh my God, do you remember that fit we had in the grocery store? Blah, blah, blah. We've all been there. But at the end of the day, I guess my point for telling this story is that we all need support. We all need a coach. We need somebody to say, listen, not everybody can be an expert on everything. And so just bring in someone to coach you along a little bit to get you through those bumpy sections of development. Because just like child development, dog development ebbs and flows and changes. It has its own timeline because everybody is an individual. And one last thing I want to go back to what you said about dogs being individuals and looking for good breeders is I really, as much as it goes against my tendency to want to be in control of things. Yes. We'll admit I like <laughs> a really good breeder is going to pick which puppy is for you. Yes. 
I raised two orphan puppies this summer. And believe me, when you are raising a litter of puppies, and I only had two, but you get to know them intimately. You know what their concerns are. You know their personality. You know how social they are, how timid they are, if they have nervousness or anxiety in any way. And the breeder is the only person who knows that amount of information. And so if you have a child with special needs and we need a calmer puppy, for example, or you have a baby and you need a calmer puppy, or if you have two seven-year-olds who are super active and always having playdates at your house, you're going to need different dogs for each of those different families. And the breeder is going to be the one to be able to say, you know what? This one is super resilient and it's going to be able to handle a busy household with youngsters in it versus, you know, this other dog is more sensitive and calm and would be better. And maybe if you're a sports family and wanting to do agility or other sports with your dog, that's going to need a different trait perhaps than the dog that wants to do therapy work at a hospital or at a preschool. Right. It makes me sympathetically cringe when I see the advice, let the puppy pick you. I'm like, no, (laughs) first, you don't know, is the right puppy just, is it nap time for them? Second, that is sometimes the most demanding dog in the mix. And that at eight weeks old, them demanding your attention is a lot different than say 80 pounds. I do think that's really important to understand is that If you come to meet these puppies and you're picking your own puppy, you're seeing them for one teeny moment in their day. It could be nap time. It could be play time. It could be that this one timid puppy happened to have a brave moment. You have no idea, right? This is just a blip on the radar. And so having the breeder who sees them day in, day out, there are patterns. And I don't know about other breeders. I'm not a breeder, but I I took in these two orphans and- I filled a whole notebook with what did we do today and what were their activities and how much did they sleep and how much did they eat? And, and I could see trends and without a record, if you had a litter of 10, I don't know how they'd handle it, but breeders are amazing that the amount of data that a really good breeder collects is remarkable. I know followed puppy culture, right? Yes. I love puppy culture. And I really recommend if you were, if you haven't picked a doodle yet or a dog that you pick a breeder that uses puppy culture. There are other programs too. There's one called Avidog, but puppy culture, I'm, I am, I drink the Kool-Aid on me too. Jane is remarkable. She's honest. She's straightforward. She's extraordinarily supportive. And I've learned so much from her and it, it worked out to be amazing because she actually was giving a live class because she had a litter on the ground at the oh. same time that I had my two puppies and her Great. puppies were only a week or two older than mine. And so I literally got a play-by-play of development and tips and strategies from the nesting box all the way through to playtime and socialization ideas. And I had it all in real time over the eight weeks that I had these puppies. And it was so valuable. And so I will forever always recommend Jane and puppy culture. And I think that anybody who gets a dog that was raised in that way will have a dog that has more resilience and more confidence. Then there is always a range, right? Everybody has their own personality. 
but these are going to be dogs that were exposed to things from literally from birth that help to set them up for a more stable lifestyle in their own self, right? And of course, is very careful of who she breeds and all of those things. So there are a lot of other factors. It's not just how I really want to say in all caps and neon letters, it's not just all how you raise them, right? Yeah. Genetics plays a huge component. The history of the mother actually something called epigenetics where if she experienced trauma it's possible that trauma can be passed on and can trigger her puppies to have issues as well so there's so much more than just how you raise them yeah. but if they're raised well it goes a really long ways and i think it's really important that you intentionally choose that if you're going to be making an investment in a puppy and being really intentional about the kind of dog you want to add to your family i think It'd be silly not to choose a breeder that doesn't do this because why not stack the deck in your favor, in my opinion? Absolutely. And if you have a dog, just like you were mentioning that poodle puppy who sounds like they were more anxious and had more difficult time settling, it isn't, if that's your dog, that's not your fault. Take away any blame or shame of, did I make my dog have separation anxiety or did I give this to them when I, I didn't know that they needed positive early socialization? Nobody told me or whatever it is. Take that blame out. We all do the best that we can with what we know, but also they are coming to you with their own genetic like potential and their own genetic background. But then it's our responsibility to do what we can to help them go to that next spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's really important. Do you have any last words for people? I know that doodles are a, I'm going to say breed, they're a breed mix, but they're classified. I, I look at them as intentionally bred, therefore a breed of sorts. People love to hate them for a variety of reasons. People also love to love them. Do you have any closing words before I ask you where people can find you? I would say we talked about all these warnings like that should be on the sticker before you purchase your doodle or select a doodle. But I can say that for many, they are a phenomenal addition to your family. So I am a dog trainer as a career who's allergic to dogs. So I thought as a child, I wanted more than anything. We've all met that kid who's just obsessed, not temporarily, just it's in their bones that they need to be around dogs. And that was me. And I couldn't have one because we didn't know that my family could handle a poodle or a poodle mix. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I was exposed to a standard poodle. And I was like, I'm okay. I could be around a dog and have one in my home. Oh my God, this is real. That's how I was drawn to working with doodles and poodles. Before with training, I owned a dog walking company. I just took a lot of antihistamine <laughs> and just to get through and I'd have to change right away when I got home and it was worth it. But if your family has allergies and you can be with a poodle or a doodle mix, that isn't everybody. Not it, those don't always work. Depends on what your allergies are. It is such a gift to many families that dogs weren't an option to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And 
just a caveat, not all doodles are low allergy, right? Correct. There's genetics that contributes to the type of hair. There's furnishing genes and other things that I forget. I need to know this. (laughs) But in any case, there are contributing factors. And again, what I would say is a really good breeder understands the exact genetic components that go into the coat types that they're breeding. And they can let you know, is it low shedding? Is it non-shedding? But that said, sometimes it's the saliva, right? It's not just the coat. Okay. And if you're allergic to dog saliva, every dog has saliva. (laughs) Some like Shiba Inus, they groom themselves like a cat and their saliva is all over every piece of their hair that is shedding all over your house. So you're exposed Mm -hmm. to that saliva more. Some, they just don't teach the dog to lick them. And when they're doing bite inhibition training, they just teach not to lick and then they can handle it. So it depends on your own allergy and allergen needs. If you see on a breeder's website, all our dogs are hypoallergenic. No, no dog is completely free of having allergens to you. Some people are allergic to pollen or grass and their dog rolling around in the yard brings that in with their Velcro coat. So you need to know your own needs with allergies. And if you can meet with a friend who has a similar coat and breed mix that you're looking at, bury your face in there. Ask them if they can wipe their dog down with a washcloth and really get in there and see what happens. Because the saddest is when you bring a dog home to your family and they can't stay because of someone's health in the family. Yeah, that's tragic. It's so sad when that happens. And yeah, I love the idea of experimenting with other people's dogs first and really diving in literally head first. (laughs) I do it all the time. I meet with neighborhood families with one of my guest dogs. Which breed were you looking for? Oh, sheep a doodle. All right. I'll meet at the park. Dive in. (laughs) That's amazing. What a gift that you offer people. Okay, Corinne, where can people find you? We have a podcast called the Doodle Pro Podcast, and Doodle people are amazing. It is topping the charts literally worldwide. Just hit number three in the U.S., and I am honored and humbled by the worldwide experts that have been coming and talking to our guests, including Michelle with Big Parenting. So yeah, people really loved your interview. So if you want to see my behind-the-scenes work, with doodles that I work with every day, you can visit me on Instagram at the doodle pro. And then I have a freebie for you guys. If you have a doodle already, we've got a fun, free personality quiz to see oh. how well do you really know your doodle. So if you go to the doodle slash personality and see if you know your doodle as well as you think. That's amazing. I will link to that in the show notes so that it's convenient for everyone to download. Thank you, Corinne. I'm so happy you're here. Uh, Don't be surprised if I ask you to come back because this is such a popular dog for families that I think you have a wealth of information to share. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for all the work you're doing for families. It's a gift. It takes a village. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. If you're a parent and you would love someone you could talk to about your kids and dogs at any time and be part of a great community of other like-minded parents, please visit 
www.safekidsanddogs.com so you can learn more about the Pooch Parenting Society. If you're a dog professional and would love to build your confidence working with families who have children and dogs, I would love to invite you to join the Pooch Parenting Coach Collective. To get more information or to join the waitlist, please visit www.safekidsanddogs.com slash coach dash collective. I would love to have you inside the community so that you can say yes to more clients. Take care.